Sound of a Town with Shosha McCann. Hello and welcome along to this edition of Sound of a Town. This week I am delighted to be joined by Mr. Jinx Lennon. Jinx, mm. thanks a million for coming in. I, uh, I'm glad to be here now. Uh, you've got the guitar and the whole lot yeah I love it <laughs> you don't go far without it no yeah, you see that's it yeah well I'm uh, I'm trying to get out as much as I can lately I've been uh, it's been a hard task to, to be able to get to it so I was able to get to it this morning for a, a while and listen to fingers get them oiled by the, the fretboard so yeah here it is there's a few <laughs> things to talk about right Um but primarily, I just want to talk about your relationship with the dog and why Jinx Lennon is still Jinx Lennon now and making music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if I asked you this to start off with, because I know you've you've lived in London and you've been over in New York for a while, what do you think the difference is now in Dundalk? Because you're raising kids in it and the Dundalk that you grew up in. Uh, Dundalk I grew up in. It's a whole different thing with just Irish culture at the time. It's there was a lot more uh, children are to be uh, seen and not heard. There was definitely a feeling where you were a child was more of a a second class citizen. You know, you you definitely I didn't feel that we had any rights um, as kids. Really, you were sort of there was a hand always any slap on your backside or slapping your legs or giving you a thump. Um, I I think. That's my memory of being. Everybody was slapping you when when, when you were kids. So it was just it was a hands-on ways of childhood when when we were younger. Um, just the teachers could go in and do whatever they liked to you. You were just at the, at the, at the you were just at the mercy of their whims and their tempers and whatever they were feeling in the day. I think now the difference is that. When I was a kid growing up in Pierce Park, say every fence and every garden was connected in that you could sort of jump between the fences into somebody else's garden and go all the way around. Um, kids don't do that. Now, there's definitely a feeling where your child has to be watched the whole time, even though there's more surveillance now than, than ever. Uh, it's, it's very hard to be a, a child in, in, in uh, 2023. Just the whole preciousness thing of it, being wary the whole time. The, the it's a, my my children are now at that they're not at that stage yet. They're, I'm, like even people told this the stranger danger thing and all that. But even I'd be more because I'm living on a street. There's a lot of cars, and they'd be wary if they say that my son he's one half run out in front of a car. I'd be more a bit worried about that at this stage. I'm just hoping that uh, we're not helicopter parents, you know. Hovering over them the whole time, yeah. sort of like that. The, the, the day of having your lunch and going away, not coming back then. Yeah, you know, because lights come on. My mother used to throw us out on the street at 10 o'clock in the morning, the summer, and don't go back until dinner time. Yeah. And then you'd hear the butter shouting, so like some sort of tropical bird shouting over the, the forest. And uh, you'd hear the mother shouting at half seven in the evening. My mother used to shout, you could hear her. But she'd be shouting for to come in, but uh, we stay out. Yeah. We don't want you in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was no, you know, what to have in the house now compared to what we had. We'd not in the house. Yeah. I thought I was rich because I had a few Alphic soldiers, like. We, we were honestly. Like, we, we might have got BBC in this area, like. BBC, we, we, that was one thing, like, we, we were there up this end, we got the BBC. Sure, I thought I was living in fucking England. <laughs> Because I was getting yeah, English yeah. news, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say to my uncles, who are all mad Republicans, this is, are we in the UK? What? <laughs> what did you say? Like, this is a man who had a dog called Provisional and another dog called Fenian, like, you know? And he'd be telling me, and what are you doing playing with the English soldiers against the Germans? But the English are the good guys. And they'd get, you'd get the rhetoric down for right, about yeah, three yeah. hours. Or about, and you'd be about five, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't be sinking in, like, you know? <laughs> But do you think the town itself has changed? Obviously, there's the, the, the 
it's massive multiculturalism now compared to when we were growing up uh, still, like in the 80s was yeah there's still a very Dundalk thing uh, with people the way people talk to each other mostly there's a lot of people of course from different countries that have moved into the town and a lot of people from say from down the Dublin and Dash so you're getting a, a lot of Dash but I think more in different areas mostly Black Rock and outside the town I'd say in the just in the more urban places in town there's still very much a Dundalk thing you can get it you can see it and like I, I, I work with a lot of people from Dundalk and they definitely if you, if you stuck them in town about 40 years ago right the phones to just fit right in <laughs> so they haven't really changed that much like it's not that much of a change that way you know you, you just walk I walk up town and, and uh, they're not crack but it's something it's that just, you seem to be there's more shite to, yeah. to, to look at and, and to look down and, and everyone's the dash but but you seem to be like you're, you're always seem to be taking it in certainly going by your music you know you're always homing in on different aspects of the town most of your songs or a lot of your songs are about you know that life of being in town and, and, and the people you bump into around it or on, on your travels like yeah yeah, I, I, I made a point of doing that. It was, it was something that I started getting interested in. Writers from the border like Patrick Kavanagh and uh, Pat McCabe, I could, I could see where they were coming from. Because I would, I, I would have a big connection to the countryside from my mother's side of the family. We were always out in the countryside out in Fort, like, And in the summer I'd be wandering away over the lanes and stuff. So I definitely with a connection with Patrick Cavanagh and a lot of the things he, he was talking about, like even the, even the way we used to go to the, the country discos and stuff and see the different crack out there. Yeah. It's totally different yeah. from the town, really, you yeah. know. Um, so I would have seen that. I think the mixture of that and then being really someone who's urban, like I'm a suburb kid, always was, come there, that. Sort of mixture between that and, and uh, the rural is, is uh, it's, a, it's a good mix to be able to see things. To be able to, say, walk around the railway lane from three miles and see the town coming towards you and you're seeing it from a different angle and you're, you're just noticing that. It looks so different than if you're walking through it, you know, and you're stuck there and you is, don't walk around it. I know people who never go out of Dundalk. They don't go out of the town. They might go to Spain. Yeah. But they don't go to Newry. They don't go to Dublin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to Russia at three o'clock to watch the world. You know, Dundalk's playing in Russia. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't go out of town. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't walk across the Bridge Street. Yeah. yeah. They'd get a, the bus to the airport to go to Spain or whatever, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't know their own country, you know? That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't know anything about Antrim or yeah, yeah. Cork or Galway. It's, or, it's, it's very regionalised, isn't it, Ireland, as a country? Like, you know, there's little... There's a lot of people like that. But there's little things that, you know, say, somebody in Waterford or Cork would do that somebody in Dublin or Dundalk would find completely strange. And yeah, it's you'd, true. You'd never do that. Like. It's true. Not, and then the accents on top of that, like. Yeah, it's true. And uh, the music sort of got me. Only for the music, I, I wouldn't have travelled as much around the country. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was actually great doing that. And I only did that when I was in my 30s. Actually played gigs in places like Cork and Galway. Um, and saw that, what you're talking about, yeah. you know. And see that you brought a freshness to it the day we say look this guy's coming in he's very in your face but he's sort of friendly and he's sort of but he's a hard neck yeah because he asked me to do this and do that but uh, he's alright like and then sometimes it turn you because you're getting too smart you know but uh, I find mostly it's like Cork like you still have a, a great connection to people there they play with for years and a lot of them are venues now and, and uh, they're, they're well up in the music business and uh, so I, I'm still in touch with them and still on the friendly basis with them it's great and do you think then that Dundalk is kind of still, it was always seen as, I hate using the term working class, because there's, there's something just doesn't sit right me about that term, but it, it yeah, always found like the people funny. were very grounded. If grounded might need to be the right word. But well, you see, it was a real, Dundalk was always a real factory town. Yeah. Like everyone in Dundalk was factory. Tobacco or beer It was factory. Or like all, all my relatives yeah. were factory, factory, factory. It was Carol's. Um, the Echo Clarks Weinberg um, you know all the, all the shoe factories and stuff Rawson's and then you had the Panasonic's and that for, in the, the in Panasonic's the came on there but, but you see the, the difference with those companies was um, with the IDA grants and that yeah they were here for tax break <laughs> they were all there and they were sort of like they were helicopter companies you know they were yeah. sort of like in, in for a couple of years and flying out 
like all those jobs like in Echo were there for life people thought to be there for life yeah. people thought to harp be there for life and with with the with with likes of say say you no know, Diageo someone told me that the head of Diageo is in uh, India right so the head of Guinness is in India there's some guy there running Guinness not, from, so no, James's Gate is now just a, no you know, the, the jumbo <laughs> bins are owned by some company in Australia seem right uh, you know that's Smart. the that's globalization for you. Yeah, yeah. But even the, the the companies like Weinberg, they were all American. And there was a lot of American companies here in town. Even uh, the the steel, not the, the the works up behind the RD Road. Um, I'm not sure it was an S and S or CRV up there. They were owned by some company in America, and this is going back forty. 45, 50 years, you know. Right. It was like part of the world. F. Gotter Sherrill with a dirty mind and a flapper girl with a hat over one eye. But still, it's a strange to see all the lanes closed up with big black kids. But remember, these are the days of the new neighborhood watch face. You're proud of your hometown. You're proud of who you are. You're proud of your mistakes. Things of a life to your face, the disdains to your brain, the remain to you is no disgrace. Have to start up a fight and say, Good God Almighty, I'm proud of yourself right now. Good God, be proud. You find that, but the people still have that same kind of mentality that yeah. they would have had back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get some of my bad songs from, from just listening to people talk locally with different things. That, just that way of seeing things that, uh, would be this part. It'd be sort of a hard way of saying things, the northern part, and then to be a bit like, I don't weary. know. Everybody's always a, a wee bit weary at first. Weary, yeah. yeah. Weary of you and Ash. Don't get above yourself now. You're all right. Just standing back a wee bit. And it's all like, what's this guy's kind of... Tell me about yourself, but once you start boasting a wee bit, like, yeah. I, 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 but it's funny, like, there's different things that sort of get me. Like, uh, one of the things I'm working now is about People painting their houses in springtime or something like that. You sort of get the look. He says, well, where are you? Are you going to start now? <laughs> and, you know. Keeping up with the Joneses. So it's my, my thing. Paint your own fucking house. You know? <laughs> Don't worry about me. Like, you know, like, like that. But you know that. This people can't have. You get the sort of like the Dulux Nazis and that. Dulux <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just funny. Like the Brighton Street where I live is, is uh, it's, it's a real sort of like melting pot of people from town the, the real town people yeah. in, in, in our streets a lot of them you know that would be there from, for a long time and then how does uh, how, how did Sophie find it adjusting because she's originally from the west I had this conversation with loads of people from the west uh, like Sophie <laughs> we come to Dundalk and she'd bring the west with her and she'd smile at people Yeah, and she'd find that she'd be smiling at people and they'd be looking at her with a real dirty look <laughs> Say, what is, what's she smiling at? What is she going? Like somebody told me they were in Galway years ago. This lad lived down the Avenue Road. Uh, Don Locke was brought Barry. He was over and uh, there was sitting drinking pints outside one of the pubs down the Keys or somewhere. And uh, hey, all right, what, what, what's wrong with you? I said, don't like Galway. I said, wait, everyone's too happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, they're too happy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's something wrong with you. are too happy. There has to be some bit of uh, depression or uh, tragedy or something. Yeah, yeah, the, That's the, it. Then there are people of a great way of saying, oh, what, what, someone said, well, how's things? How are you? Oh, oh you wouldn't believe it's after happening. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you moved, um, you lived in London for a, a couple of years, did you? I lived in London, but it was a disaster because I, I moved into the, the Dundalk pod. Right. It was like sort of a Dundalk ghetto. Right, okay. We were all squatting in houses down yeah. a place called Stockwell and there was about 30. And some of them got on all right. There were some lads that were doing five or six doles. Right. And they wear different hats in different places. All right. And at that time you can get away with it. Yeah. So they were sitting there in the pub the whole day with about 300 quid each week and I was getting away with that. I wouldn't have a hard neck like that. But I walked in the sites three or four months at a time but I never I never really stuck it no I just was was the whole thing with, with was always you could never get any sleep because there'd be lots of parting the whole night right, right, right whereas if I had a bit of sense I would have gone in and uh, gone to the B&B's and, and just got away from that that's the only way to be but I just thought I should I'd go with the crack is but it was never any crack it was always shit was it yeah I was glad I did it though yeah you know you, you saw a bit of it but uh, and would you ever did, did it ever appeal to you the big city living 
No, not really. No, no, no. New York then. for a while as well. Right? I was in New York for a while, yeah, and that was that was better because I was sort of younger and uh, there was a better mix of people there. There was both characters and and uh, you were getting the real taste of New York life. When two minutes you'd find someone from the dock at the same time. Yeah, you, you walk you, you walk into an Irish bar and I stopped going into Irish bars at the start because you'd keep meeting people who say. I used to walk in the pier and I says, I'm fucking off the company now, dog. I want to get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, want to be, I want to yeah, soak yeah, up the yeah, life. Yeah. But yeah. that was the way. It's unbelievable where you find them, isn't it? But it's, I just found Americans really strange. You just couldn't say, you had to watch your P's and Q's them, you know? Right. You just couldn't say certain things. Or did, did Is there a veil on them? Is everything kind of. No, it's just the, it's the thing about sticking to your own and uh, talking in black and white. Like, I remember coming over and uh, my cousins were in. Staten Island and I was man into the Wu-Tang Clan who were from Staten Island right and the Wu-Tang Clan had a shop in Staten right and they couldn't get over that I was a white lad mad into rap music looking for the Wu-Tang Clan who took talk with the scum of scum because they were gangsters and, all, and they knew that people were giving out about them and I was telling my cousins you're living in you're walking in Power Kill the fire station uh, the, the weird thing we're always thinking about Power Kill they call it Killer Hill you hear that mom you hear what these guys are calling the place I'm working Killer Hill he couldn't go over I'd be playing drum and bass in the car and they thought I was two heads <laughs> drum and bass no real hard drum and bass yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'd be playing Oasis and they'd say these guys are from near you aren't they yeah they're from there. Oasis are alright yeah, yeah, yeah. they was in drum and bass heads you know yeah. They didn't understand that white, a white guy being into black music like that. But then, you, you know, when you, when you see America from, you think everyone in America is into the not. Like even New York, I thought everyone being into the Velvet Underground and they read, they're not, they're not. It's only a tiny little portion of that was a scene, you know, down the, the, the East Village. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I remember looking for a Velvet Underground t-shirt in New York the whole summer and I couldn't get anything. Went back and I got one a jock. You know, and he loved it. He thought this was great. Yeah, yeah. He was looking for it you know, the whole summer and he's out to get him win. You know, yeah. it's just that actually I found Ireland actually ahead of America, culturally. Really? Yeah, I did, yeah. And I don't I thought they were backward. I thought they were all dressed like... They were still in the 70s, a lot of them, you know. Yeah. There was a very cool part of New York when I was over in New York. Really cool. But it's so small. It's the art places in, in, around Granite Village and... and uh, but the rest was like... <coughs> Is it very then kind of... They were uh, like the Waltons. Yeah, it was is no. it very kind of like uh, clanny over there, and you you belong to this group, and you don't mix with the other group. Yeah, type of thing. it's a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot like that. Yeah, it's a lot like you that. dress a certain way, then this is you go to this restaurant, you go to this pub, or you go to this whatever, and then someone else dresses or lives or looks yeah. a certain way, and they go with a different crowd, and you don't intermingle like them bad high school movies type of thing. Well, I, I was working with Jewish people over there. They were, they were sort of Hasidic Jews. They were sort of like a sect from the Eastern Europe. And they were the, they'd be all businessmen. They'd be all mad for work. They'd be getting up at four hours sleep, which I couldn't understand at the time. Now I can go three hours sleep. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like with the kids and all right. Yeah. I just couldn't four hours sleep. And they, how do you do that? He's going to die. And uh, I just found, but I found them very, just with, uh, wary of Catholic just being Christians and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So you had to watch what you were saying and stuff. So I was working with Puerto Ricans. Said, you're okay, yeah. You know, I saw I saw you've got a miraculous medal on your on your uh, your jacket. You're okay. You're one of us, sort of thing. You're all right, so sort of thing. But uh, they were all right. But at the same time, I, I I thought the Jews were very like Irish in a lot of ways with the, the families and stuff. And and uh, they, were, they were okay if you if you, if you, if you did your better work, they, they respected you. Yeah. More or less, you know what to be. And so it never crossed your mind that you might. Stay there or set up a life there or, or in London or in I was mad to get home from America. I was mad to get home. Yeah. I was just was glad. Was there always something drawing you back to then? I just tired enough. But, yeah. but I'm sorry you didn't stay then because as soon as I came back to the dog, I was like, uh, being out of the dog, the dog, nothing changed. I was away for six months. Nothing changed. I was still exactly the same. I was like walking off and turning the page and coming back. Yeah. There was uh, slight things would have changed, but nothing, nothing really. Maybe a new restaurant or something. And then, <laughs> different boozer. Like I was going about ninety miles an hour when I was in New York, and then you go back a week, and you'd be going eighty miles an hour after a month. It's like you were never away. Yeah. And I was, and, and, and I was sort of sorry about that because when you got that sort of speedy head, 
when you're away like that. It's it's sort of stancy if, if you do stay there, but I had to get out because the visa was up. I could have sort of chanced it. Yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Before the Donnelly's and, and stuff like right. that, it was, and it was just because I, I, I had an uncle over there. On the rest, you know. But I think they were glad to see the bag because it was ahead of the boy. Like, you know? right, yeah, yeah. And were you doing any music over there? No, I was buying loads of music. But you weren't playing? No, I was buying loads of music. Loads of music. I actually, I, I had a cousin who was in the band and uh, where I could hardly play at that time and they were all doing sort of like, their thing was playing Stare with the Heaven and ACDC and Jump by Van Halen who I fucking hated. <laughs> all that <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? Like I hated all that stuff. Like and That was the big thing in America. You see, where they were was Staten Island, which was still the sticks. Was they going out to Cooley and the lads all being the death metal and stuff? Right, right, right. You know, and so the there was no, uh, no cultural kind of draw there, like and that part of it. That part of it, no. Like I go down to the East Village and buy all the records down there. Like, I for the first tower I saw was there. I thought it was fantastic. Tower was mad, and then they'd search you as you were coming in. They'd, they'd give you a bag for your your a locker for your bag, but it was just the, the size of it. The massiveness of tower, like you just couldn't get over it. It's just great, and you get it. You couldn't get any record you wanted, but you get say about seventy or eighty percent. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything I was supposed to be saving, it was going on records. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> it's all going on records. Just put a suitcase with them. I took them all home the suitcase, and I stuck one dollar on on each of them so that the customers wouldn't stop me. <laughs> but I, there you go. There's there's eighty dollars worth of records or hundred, you know. Yeah, deadly. So what's um. So when you came back then, when did the, did the, the writing, I heard you saying one time in an interview that you're glad that, maybe not glad isn't the right way to say it, that you have a job. Yeah. Right? You work full time. Yeah. And then that gives you more freedom with the music. Uh, yeah, it definitely did when I started in the Jinx Lantern team because when I yeah. was in the, when I was doing the bands, I was on the dole and we never any money. Yeah. For anything, like yeah. if you're lucky to get money for strings, and then you're dependent on people for getting lifts and stuff like that. So the whole sort of uh, it was very political being the band, like you know, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. who had the car was the guy that really made the decisions. So <laughs> what the music was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so and, do yeah. you still think that then? Uh, uh, Going solo was the best thing I ever did, like yeah. But even with with the way you work now, um, and like the work. I, I mentioned one day and you're only after leaving, uh, releasing uh, Life's Fast for Lachicos and we were talking and you said I've got two albums already <laughs> I've got two albums done done and dusted I think yeah. you're doing recording Life's Fast for Lachicos so you're, you're like it's not to say that you're more relaxed about it but you still think that not not trying to make it a full time career I don't know if I'm saying that right but do you think that you um, do you think you have more enjoyment in the way that you're doing it now um you see, a, a lot of ways, music is a young man's game or a young woman's game in that if you sort of have your thing set by the time you're in your 20s, you're very lucky. Yeah. Because then you've got more opportunities then. You, you really, before you start a family or anything like that, or you're still get a chance to go back to college. And I see a lot of the people coming in, like I see a lot of the, the CMATs and Junior Brothers, the Murray Wallopers, they're, they're still young enough lads that the Got a lot of time to sort of sort out what they want to do. But being in that position and knowing what you want to be, what you're about, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I only found myself when I was in my late 30s. Right. Really, you but know. You were in bands before that, really. I was in bands, but they were never really, um, we were sort of getting there, but we, I wasn't ever happy enough to say, Eureka, this is the, the thing I want to do with the music. It was so always you like. You find your own sound. No, I kept meeting guys up the street and, and there was a fellow called Mickey Maguire who did a, uh, drama and he said you me we're like we're like professors in the laboratory we're mixing the chemicals and we're still trying to find the right formula and he was right yeah because that was the way with a lot of bands it was like there's something there but it's not quite what I wanted to do but I think when, when they started singing I put myself in it yeah in the situation the only way you could do that was to talk about your own life which is the, the suburb life yeah the life you see here and everything else that's keeping it real then you see and you can make it interesting and bands do that like there's a lot of bands singing about that sort of you know like you've got your people like Mike Lee who does the plays the sort of kitchen sink dramas and stuff like that 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 all sort of mixes into the whole thing it keeps it real and uh, 
you can make it interesting. You can tell the stories about that. But the, the characters. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. A lot of the the stuff I did. I, I, I just looked up a few wee things last night. Looking to yeah. my website and stuff. I didn't even know you had it. Um, a lot of people keep referring to you as a, a, a post-punk poet. Yeah. Would you refer to yourself like that, or do you think you're a, a musician primarily, or from from in my humble opinion? You're more. You're a storyteller first and foremost. Storyteller first off. Yeah. I got. I was down in Kerry a few weeks ago. Oh, you think you're the peg sayers of uh, and dog like the peg, you know peg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, "All right, yeah, yeah. That that's unusual one. Didn't hear that before. But yeah. you know, that's all right. No, I can't remember any of peg stories we did at school. No, but, but, but she was a one down the islands and singing about life. Before, right? Yeah, because she was singing about the the, the, the life down in, in the islands and stuff yeah. like that. So that's but, that's it, good. It, so when you when you so storytellers, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you find your as you say, your own way of doing it. Yeah. It was the story you latched on to first, you know, before story, yeah. you put the music to it. Yeah, it'd be the story. It'd be, a, it'd be a couple of words. It'd be a chorus about something. Yeah. And then it'd be the story around it. But yeah. it'd be mainly, if there if there was a story, if, if there was something real in it, then it'd go down in the, the vinyl or the be recorded. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be. But it has to feel right. Now, there's times I did that where there's a couple of albums where I was sort of forcing it and I ended up I never really sung any of those songs in it because the, it was just forcing it it was just wasn't real enough you know but, but there were a couple of songs that you changed completely over the years yeah that's right the Iron Bars was being the most famous or yeah or nothing but Leprechaun I still do that, do that. Yeah. yeah is there that thing then this you know, you have the story and you put the music to it and you record an album you go ahead to write that so I've got that story out and then maybe down the line you say, well, actually, that story would have sounded better had I done it a different way. Yeah, the story's the most important thing. The story's the, always the song's the, the most one. important thing. It's like, yeah. And it's not even the, the song. It could be just, it would be the, the storytelling and the keep it fresh. The music sometimes wouldn't be that important. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's songs that people really like and sometimes they can't sing them because they just don't seem fresh enough. Or it's just going through the motions, or it's like a bit of furniture that you're fed up sitting in. Yeah. To me, it's to try and keep the whole energy of the thing going, and that's the whole the, the thing with the border schizo cosmic folk sound is that it sounds a bit corny, but to me, it, it's all like a way of thinking, like you're bringing that where you're coming from with you, and every night it has to be that border schizo cosmic folk sound. It's just to remind you of what you're about. Yeah. That you're not getting maybe complacent about it or smug or just. Losing the run of yourself, it's more to air you into the thing. That if you're going to be ridiculed, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Once, once you, once you, once you're at it and you're trying to be as, as real as possible, you can't be as always real as possible. But as, as much as you can to try and keep the show fresh enough that people say, right, he's he's into it. Like he's not going to be, he's into it. He's not thinking about his dinner. Yeah, absolutely. The face. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody would ever say that if they've seen you. But before. you know, he hasn't got the. I'm thinking of my dinner face, or, or you should have gone yeah. that that job today, fix the car. Yeah. Head. yeah you know, some, because, but some people do that on stage. You're not on you can stage see just for a few quid or no. whatever. But the, is there ever, just when you're talking about the story, like you've tackled some very serious issues over, over the years, like uh, even on the, in the, the latest record, Walk Lightly with the Jugs as well, yeah. and about the George Floyd. Uh, yeah, killing and then there the obviously iron bars is going back a couple of years. Even going back to nobody from County Dale, you yeah, about the Omar bomb and stuff. Yeah, um, but the one that nearly knocked me off my feet was when you wrote the the song about Anna Anna Creedle. Um, my friend says he fancies you. Is there ever? Oh yeah. Have you ever penned a a, a story and went? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that one. So everyone you've have you ever shied away from one? Yeah. Yeah, I have. We've we, 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 just, just too raw. Yeah, there's, there's even songs lately. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like that, you know, because there's language in it that could be interpreted something else that somebody that might be listening might have the wrong idea, especially in in, in the times we're in. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, that, uh, like there's there's a song like uh, say there's one song that I don't really sing all that often would be uh, uh, protect thyself at home. Right. Which is sounds like a very right wing song, but to me it's it's like if somebody does come into your house, they're not gonna invite them in. You're you're <laughs> gonna say if they're gonna attack my kids, you're gonna do everything you can. Yeah. If that means stabbing them in the in the head, you're gonna do that. Yeah. But when you start singing that and people say, You don't really mean that, do you? Of course you do. 
do you know what I mean? Like, what do you think? But when you say that, as soon as you say that, it's like, oh yeah, you're sort of, yeah, you're okay, one of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. one of them, you know? And so it's like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of wishy-washiness that people sort of say, especially in the radio, especially in Irish, in Irish life, they don't, people don't nail themselves to the mast. But when you do nail yourself to the mast sometimes, you can't get yourself in a sort of a box there. Like, I know there's, there's people who wouldn't touch me because of that. Yeah. Just, just, just don't get him in. You know, he's 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 not. He, he'd spoil have you, it. Have you recorded stuff then and listened back to it, or have you written stuff and performed it and then went, "Oh, hang on, this might be interpreted wrong." And yeah, yeah. So even a song like "Stop Giving Out About Nigerians," like uh, I get people coming up, sing the one about the, sing the one about the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, I know exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I, and he say, "Yeah, well, that's not really about that." She's, yeah. oh, but but he says, uh, "Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but there." He says, uh, "But it's true, isn't it?" <laughs> You know, but he's looking at the truth from his side, you know. Yeah, everybody has their own perspective of slant on it. So like that, and he says, well, I'm, I'm annoyed now about that. He says, there's nothing you can do about it. You yeah. know, you've sung the song. That's You're singing about what other people are, are saying to you, you know. Are people putting their, their like, own There's people I meet every day who somebody belongs to them is in the song, you know. This happened to me the whole time, like. Yeah. There's loads of people I meet. Yeah. That's because it's a small town. Yeah. And there was his, and I'm thinking, oh, I forgot his, uh, his sister's in that song, and that's you know, somebody else, you know. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you don't know. <laughs> like that. My name is Jake Stannon, and tonight, of all nights, I want to introduce you to the bubble electrician. He's a bubble electrician, bubble electrician, he's a bubble, bubble electrician, he's a bubble electrician, he's a opposition, he's a bubble electrician, bubble, bubble electrician, he's a bubble electrician, bubble electrician, bubble electrician, he's a bubble, bubble electrician, he's a bubble electrician, he's an opposition, he's a bubble electrician, bubble, bubble electrician, he's a bubble electrician. What do you think about the scene now? There's so many. I think the scene is good. Is this the peak or is it missing something or do you think? It's missing a lot. I see it. The, the thing it's missing is, like, say, when you go to Limerick, there's more of a community spirit. And I know people sort of go to each other's gigs and stuff in town, but there is sort of a, a centre missing. Yeah. And that there, there does need to be, the spirit store is great. Like, yeah. Like, it has sort of pulled everyone together and that. You can, and people do give out a bit spirit store and, and the people in the spirit store. But they, they do make a difference in town. They do make a difference and they do sort of bring people and... There is a respect for local acts. And you see, they have to make money. They do have to make money like everything else. They have to make money. But there is, they have respect. They have put along. They've had me along. Yeah. And uh, and there is different places in town. But there does, as we were talking, there's certain venues in town. There's more of a thing about just get them in for the drink. Yeah. The college is the problem with the Dundalk. You see, because, you see, you've got, different places like and, and that's why Dundalk's not a city in a way because the college is not beside the town yeah the college is outside the town you need people like that in that we're doing a lot more if you get sort of college heads into Dundalk because they don't a lot of them don't bother coming in because the next bus stop is Dublin Broad in Dublin they don't need to come in they've got all their pizza places out the Dublin road and they've got their little sort of mini villages out in Black Rock and that they don't need to just get their pizzas and go to the cinema yeah everything's there beside the college and that was built for that reason, a lot of it, you know. But uh, I think with, with say, the Lakes of Limerick, there's, when you go there, you definitely feel a sort of a, a community culture. Yeah. There's people that are in primarily to get the culture going, between the visual arts and music and everything else, just make a scene in town. You can go to two or three different things, and people do all, they always big each other up. Yeah. And the, like, Dundalk has that. They've all, they've all those ingredients there. It's just because the college isn't near the town, they feel that that's, that's, what, that's what's missing. But because you, because you, need, there's, there's you need the arts. In, even even uh, aside from the college. The, the town's great. Like The town is great there, but there's just the thing where it's a bloody cover band, tribute band, comedy town. That's the problem with the dog. And, and I, I, have, I have friends of mine in, in, in uh, bands... And they'd say weird things to me, you know, like they'd say, oh, like, uh, there's a tribute band for uh, Neil Young. And I says, right. And they're brilliant. You know, I, I pay 200 quid to see Neil Young and they're only 50 quid. They says, yeah, but it's not Neil Young. Yeah. Says, you know, but I did an interview with them. And I says, you're interviewing a cover band, a Neil Young cover band. Yeah. And I'm saying, 
I can't get no, I'm trying to think my head around that. I just yeah, find it totally yeah, alien. Yeah, no, totally it's like agree. Pluto. Agree. And they were saying, and they were talking about their favourite albums. You know, like, get Becky Joe off the street, get yeah, Paddy Madora yeah, off the street yeah, or somebody. Yeah, yeah, Come yeah. in and tell your favourite. Get more yeah. crack. Yeah. I prefer to see somebody coming up on the stage who's having a nervous breakdown and banging their head off the wall and telling us about their life than somebody who's singing a tribute band and just, it's like going into a nursing home before your time to go into a nursing home. It's happy stuff. It's like reminiscing. You go back to what that time people said, oh yeah, 1989, 1990, great years. If you go back there, there was always going to be some crap. But probably something happened to you. You broke up with the woman, you're going to kill yourself. No, this happy, crappy sort of stuff is loved on the dog. They love it. And the same with comedy. There's good comedians. Yeah, all right, but you know, give the music a chance. A venue is supposed to be for music. But is, is it that it's missing that? Is it like everything was kind of the store kind of had to carry too much on its own back oh yeah yeah you know, there, there was definitely again, as you say the cottage is outside the town the store and it's 25 minutes down the road yeah it's a two minute walk from here took the dog down yesterday it's not in town if you come up it's to not the in town. town like if you come up to yeah the golden mile it's just there is there is a sort of a gap it's all like between Mars and Pluto or something that it was, yeah there was a gap there there's the town you know like there's the there's the spare store there on the quay the cottage is miles away. If it was, if everyone was in town, there'd be, I think there'd be, there'd be a lot more appetite. Yeah. Because a lot of the people that would be into music would be sort of, they'd be out of towners. And the yeah. other, we need the other, out of towners to make the, the, the scene better. I, I always That's rem- even what, with the local band. I always remember uh, a couple of years back when Vintasper was on out the, um, when it was still in Bilorgan. Yeah. Um, and it was one year and someone said, like, it was this, Amazing music festival on five minutes out the road. Fantastic. I th- I th- yeah, and yeah. I think I think the racing might have been on as well. But if you were standing at the square on the dock and you'd landed from Mars or whatever, you wouldn't know anything was happening. You'd be yeah. walking around in a place to be. See, dead. Louise and Benny and uh, all all the people there, Mark, who did all the festivals, like they're all they're all great people and they're all they're, they're seeing a way into it and they do help with the the, the local music scenes because the local music scenes need those festivals. Yeah. And stuff like that. It's uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not putting down and all and that. I just see there is a sort of a blind spot where people could be working together a lot more and stuff. If those, the, the, the likes of uh, someone, it's all about getting people in to, for beer. Like that's important. But I think someone just, said there that Kilkenny has something like six festivals in the city centre yeah. over the course of the summer, and Dunleary has maybe three or four, and there's nothing organised together in the centre of town you know there's nobody like we used to have the Maytime festival years ago you know does it need something like that to kind of give it a shot in the arm I I don't know if you went down to Jordan when the fra was on but I I remember when it was over people saying why aren't we doing something like this Yeah. why aren't we doing something where the people are on the street in the square on Park Street on Combrassel Street using the venues the restaurants the pubs and getting people to come into the town centre yeah yeah, there's been there's been a few sort of individual great things in uh, even third place. Um, there was a, there was a couple of great gigs over the years down there. Who's that guy? Oh, it was it wasn't David Holmes. It was somebody. He's a guitar player. He's Michael Disney. John. Oh Hager. yeah, yeah. He played a great gig there one night. It was just this time of year, and it was out of the blue. It was it was Mark Corkin actually organizer, and uh, I was just thinking this this is a great spot for a gig. Yeah, you know, like it's it's funny looking. It's the, the transparent because uh, you've got all the glass around. Yeah. It. But you can see the, the moon coming up outside, and some guys in the corner because you can you can see everything inside it. But wouldn't it be great if three or four places did that around the same time? Was, you know, that if but you there's little places. There's there's little funny places. I, I saw one one actually a vape shop in the middle of Compassion Street, and it's got a we cellar down there. And I was thinking, what could we do to try and even there's even one off and have it, you know, little things like that. Because you go, you go to Lake Limerick and there's, there's, there's spaces, but they're not like massive. Th- there's no difference. There's a lot of places in, in the dock like that. Yeah, you know that you, could you be used. Organize them. Just needs could be used. Just needs yeah. an, an initiative or someone to just initiative. try and string it all together. Yeah, it's just the funny. It's just it's just the way the the, the minds are for. There's a lot. There's still a lot of declinary sort of mindedness in the dock. You know. <laughs> what's the, what do you mean? What's that? that? Exactly. It's just about sort of like getting out and getting the hoolie in and, you know, and singing the hits. Right, yeah, you yeah. You know. Going back then to work on Monday morning. Yeah. 
What? Going back to the end of work on Monday yeah, morning, yeah, waiting, yeah. waiting to the next Saturday. Well, it's not really day. about getting the arts in and, and expressing your expression. Yeah. It's more just getting the floor and getting the ride in and all the rest. And, <laughs> like, cause, uh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. animal, the animal instincts get, get them out to curry in and, and get that out, the splurge, the caveman. The, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Get, like living for the weekend. Living for the weekend. Mm-hmm. That. Like, great. Go on. Do you ever, um, when you were doing any of the albums, was there ever one where you went, right, I've done it, this is the one, this is the one that's going to send me the big time? Or on the flip side, was there ever a time when you were trying to get one out and you were really frustrated and you thought about, this is doing me head and I'm not doing this anymore? Yeah, I've I've, I've done both damn things now. It yeah. was that, when I did the one with, with in Tumbleweed Studio with Derek and uh, Jason Vowley, yeah. that's about 20 years ago. And it was funny because it, the, the other guitar I have at home, Gino Barrels was, uh, was there a lot. And he was working out in Connor Hughes and I bought the guitar and he showed me this Taylor guitar. And I used a lot of it for that album. Funny enough, it was the, this, the summer. It was just summer was in it. And I'd been trying to get a sort of a sound because I recorded one album live and I recorded another album live. But uh, it wasn't working out. So I, I, I got a few people to, to play over the live stuff. Right. And uh, that was the second one called 30 Beacons of Light. And it was 30 songs. And I just play and I said, this is going to really do the, the job. Yeah, so that's fucking the, proud of it. Escaping the Planet of the Apes. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah. That's one of my favourites, actually. Yeah. This is really, because you can feel the energy in it. Yeah. Because you can feel, actually, the crack in it. Because they got loads of heads that were in different bands and they were drifting out of the studio and they were coming in. Come on in, just shouting that. And, yeah. And that. And they, all the likes of the Gurriers, all of the Gurriers and people like that. And uh, it was a great saxophone player and that. I just thought it was, it was great. And it actually did get me there. And so that it got the, the album around the country and they sold loads of them yeah. every gigs. That was when I started playing gigs the next year. You're still, that was like, great. You're still playing tracks from that's probably the I'm next still, and all. Yeah, I'm still yeah, I'm still tall. playing it. Like I'm still like like even the funny thing about it is uh the but, but the Mary Wallopers want to put that out on an album. Themselves. That no, that that whole album. Oh that whole album, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they love it. Yeah. They were saying, Well, yeah, we're gonna get to this, we're gonna do this. And I said, Right, well there you go, put it out if you want, like, you know. Mm. And because uh, cause, uh, it, it needs to be out again. That there, but there was another time I had another album called um, National Cancer Strategy. And I was doing a lot of electronic things in it, but they were very sort of basic stuff. They recorded very quickly. And there was no nuances in it. It was just basically Dash and me singing over it. And uh, when I got it done, uh, I just knew it was, <laughs> it was just the wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just. And I remember you, you, playing is, in Cork with yeah. it. Is that the one that was the original oh, was, version of uh, Not Middle Leprechaun? Was that on? Yeah, that, that yeah. was on. So it. you've reworked, you have reworked some of them songs. I have reworked it, but it does, there's not many songs I play from it still, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just was there, and somebody was saying, that could have been a Dukes in that song. No, you, you, you made the hands of it. And uh, I just remember getting the posters done for it. And the posters all came out wrong. And it was almost to me like it was telling me this is not going to be working. In the, and even the the album cover looks really grey. Yeah. And it was probably summed up the, the situation. Grey. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. And I remember playing a gig in, in Cork. And I remember usually get heads coming down to it. And they were all at a party for their mates. And, I said, and they went up to the party and said, right, it's coming down to the gig. Oh, no, no, we're not going to. There was nobody at the gig in, in Cork. And that year, I just felt right. I stood back, and at that time, I met my wife. Okay. Who and Sophie was, and she was playing a lot of gigs, playing a lot of gigs with the legs of Monday and stuff. So I stood back for a few months, and it took me a few years to get back into the whole thing. But that time, I just felt there was nothing left in the the kitty, in the in, in the headspace yeah. to write songs. So then, was it just inspiration? Do you think or? No, it was Had just... It, was it a little bit of burnout, maybe? It was burnout, but I was trying to do what people... What I thought people wanted me to do. Right, okay. Rather than what I should have been doing. Feeling it. Yeah. And, and just putting it out there. I was more trying to fit in. And I was listening to a lot of people telling me stuff. And uh, it's not good. It's not a good situation to be in, you know. So I had to stand back. And, and then slowly it came back in. So it took me another six years before I released an album. That's six long, years, six years, yeah. Was it, yeah. Yeah. How many studio albums have you done? I was counting it up there. There's, there's uh, 
Well, there's 13 now altogether. 13. But you've done so. You've gone then full three sixty now because you've just released three albums in. Yeah, is it under a year? Maybe a year and a half? Is it? No, I, I've um, there's four albums over the last three years, but there's but it's one a year. So is it from, grow, is it grow pair the first one? So the, grow the, pair the would be, is, it'd be uh, 2018, really. and then Borders gets over 2020. Uh, goes 21. Pet rent last year and. I'm sorry about Pat Rand because it didn't get its due. It really it was sort of came out. It was rushed out. But you told me before that Pat Rand was um, stuff that you had recorded. Yeah. You didn't really have an intention of releasing it, did you? Or did you? What, what's the. No, what happened? Then? What Chris? happened was, yeah, Chris was doing but it, it, there were songs that were sort of walking up and playing at the fast, was like knocking, stalking. Yeah. And for, for a couple of years. And I had, I had sort of those five or six of them. But then I'd load the stuff in the sampler from about 10 years ago, beats and that they'd never used. Yeah. So I sort of started using all of them as well. And then as I recorded all the, the guitar ones, I had about 20 or 25 of those. So I just started to get stuck in. And so, but there must have been like, you know, at the time when all that was happening. Yeah. You must have been deep diving into like, did you do it with a notepad and write it down? Or do you. Yeah. Yeah. I was so just you, writing you must it have been down. Just constantly. I was constantly writing. Constantly for, writing for stuff. At that time, yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually got out of the habit, but I'm getting back into it again. This is there. It's a, it's a good way to keep the, it's only, it's the only way to keep the head fresh for the stuff. But I suppose I was sort of looking and saying, there's an awful lot of albums out now, but I just have to keep going. My thing is, it's, it's every gig you play is the most important gig. Yeah. The only the thing you're doing now is the most important thing. The time, when, when you stop that and you start saying, oh, well, I used to do this and you used that, it's like, up at the bar with the bar flies. Yeah. going on about your glories to me that's terrible yeah 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 it's just what you're doing at this moment the next gig is the most important because you're travelling you know you're, you're moving and moving you, it you on you test out a lot of your new stuff before like you you play a track on a tour oh yeah it hasn't yeah. been released or it hasn't released two there's, or three tracks there's, 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 I've about a hundred songs I never used I yeah. just spit out just to keep it uh, fresh and see where it's going and that yeah and that's as important to me and, as, as the songs that are recorded because it's keeping the energy going, you know. And you try and gauge then the reception from the crowd when yeah. you're on tracks. Like, it's trying say, to okay, keep the whole thing. Put it on that album or you know, leave that one in the back burner for a bit longer. There is, but even even with some of them, it's sort of like, I know, it's it's more like, a, it's, it's just like a, a bit of energy to spit out to connect the other songs together. Yeah. And that. So, so are you... It could be something in my head at the time that's annoying me. I just need to get it out. <laughs> but confession, you know. You can hear that in a few of them, yeah. You can hear that. No, really. Could be somebody out naming me up the town, or it could be having a ride with a woman or something. You were saying there earlier you know, sometimes you're talking to people and you realise, oh God, I wrote a song about them or about. There's a few you've written and you said to yourself, like about work colleagues and stuff. Well, that album there, Tony Big is Late, there was loads of them buying it in the hospital because the thought there was one song about the matron. Right. And there wasn't really. But they got into our heads. So all the, the, the administration were, were buying the albums and that because they wanted to, to deal me with it, you know. I knew that was the only reason and the, the, the rest were stirring it up. The nurse and that. Oh, yeah, we do that. Come on, and you see them all at the gig there. All right, he's, who is he singing about now? They'd all be coming down. And they knew that. They knew the heads, the greedy eyes of them there. We're going to nail them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're going to nail him, like, you know that song? About... It's not about the matron, it's about you. No, yeah, exactly. It's that song about me. I'm going to find out tonight, you know, and if it is, yeah. And did you ever, did anybody ever call her you about it? Well, I, I did write a song. There was, there was a, there was a situation in work and uh, it's called Lovely the Man. Canteen, yeah, yeah. And no, that's, that's not, that's a 10 o'clock tea break bollocks. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. But there's another one called Lovely Man about a couple of people and uh, I made it obvious what it was about. Right, okay, they, yeah, the, yeah. the things they were saying because they were sort of art or daily type ones. Well, Pat, 
the sort of thing, you know, and the way yeah. they come in. I, I did a wee job for you, you know, like that. I did that job for you, it's out in the van, you oh, know. I know what it's like, you're on you know? Yeah, 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 he's a lovely and, man, he's uh, a lovely man. That's right, and so, actually, I thought those boys wanted to wait see the better to see because they do something better. Right. Actually, yeah, somebody told me that. Right. And uh, so, like, yeah, right, but it wasn't the name of anyone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So but I, I was sort of taken back and surprised. I said, "Why the fuck would they bother?" Yeah, you know, like, "Jeez, I'm not going to do that," you know. But uh, obviously, if you if you you could hear yourself in the song, you know, that, that, with the speaks that they come out, you know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother singing that song much. It's like it was a thing for the time, really. You know, yeah, yeah, it's all just, right, just to get something off the chest. Yeah, it was more like that. It was, but I wouldn't consider it a great song, right? Yeah. You know, but people would think it's funny, and that's fair enough. Like. Go right now, time because people would identify with that somebody a worker, some yeah, bollocks, yeah. Workers, you know, because there's always somebody to dash in the place. There's you know? someone right in your head every yeah. day. Going, oh, you hear the, a man coming, you hear them before you see them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's what do you think now going forward? Would you just keep in the the very it's the last well, pet rent, as you said, was was quite different, but on Nachico's and uh. More likely when the jug is full, as I yeah. said. They're very storytelling. They're very storytelling. And do you think that's kind of the way you keep going? Are, 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 uh, yeah, I'll keep it going. Are you, find, are you enjoying that? I am enjoying it. it. I, I am enjoying it. Uh, but I, I want to take it on. I want to take it further. I want to take that further. I want to make it matter now. Yeah. I have another album coming. Like another album that I'm doing. That I have recorded for. Uh, and there's a guy called Jamie Bishop. He's got a thing called Muckno. He's from Castle Blaney. Yeah. And he's actually a great player. He's he's involved with a few other things. He's in a band called Dimna. With a girl called Rose. I saw them playing the Empire a few weeks ago. Richard Dawson was playing. Did you ever hear that guy? Richard Dawson from... Uh... He's, no, he's a, he's a solo player. He's a oh, sort of okay, folk no. guy. A junior brother was playing with them and, and uh, Miles Manley was playing with him a couple of weeks ago in Dublin. But he's a sort of a... He sings songs about the fifth century and sixth century, and oh, he's right, an, okay, he's right. an English. I'm Richard he's Thompson, everything. No, no, he's 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 sort of like Richard Thompson. He's a fantastic guitar player. Like he does the open tuning thing, but he's really fiddly. Like you know, he's very classically trained. But uh, as I say, Jamie was playing with him, and he was playing with band. I was really impressed with Jamie because he, he's been. We were, were were rehearsing, going to the studio with Chris again, right for the end of June. And three years are going to do one together. Yeah. Brilliant. So that's it. But as I said to Jamie, we're, we're going to have them. We're going to put the songs down there and they're all open tuned again. And, uh, but I want to make it bit nasty. Right. And mad <laughs> yeah. again. Because the last album was there. But even at, even at that, I was sort of getting things from people saying, yeah, but you know, Jinx hasn't got the melody and all the rest. And I'm sort of thinking, yeah, okay, well, I suppose in one way, People might be expecting something, especially to hear the other stuff and that. So I'm, I'm sort of working as I go. So it's not always perfect. Yeah. It's not going to be like a Richard Thompson album. It's not going to be maybe Junior Burroughs a bit more musical in that sense. But I'm sort of, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a sort of grafter in that. I'm finding my way through things and that. So it's not going to be perfect. So I, I won't get it right 100% of the time. I'm just searching the dark to see what's the next thing is to keep me interested in the yeah. thing and what that's all I'm doing I'm trying to keep me interested in the thing I'm interested I love it you, you, but I have to ask. keep it but the thing will change it's like a kaleidoscope you're sort of turning the thing in and you're seeing a little bit more oh yeah it's opening up to something else I don't know what it is exactly yet and I don't want to ever find out yeah. because I don't want to know how the story ends I want to keep trying to see what the, the next hill I'm looking over the next hill yeah, it's yeah. Brian Brewer coming with the army you know yeah. it's Keeping the adventure going. It's it's like your your own myth. It's like your own satanta thing, you know. You're taking it in the journey and you don't know what the story is because then it's like it's like, you know, it's it's, it's that thing where you're you're going on the brave heart thing or whatever. The adventure. You just it's, hope it never it's ends the most, at that yeah, minute, yeah. The adventure's the thing, it's yeah, the thing yeah. heading away in the car and whatever. Just when you're talking about people like Junior Burr and you mentioned C Matt and that there at the minute, um yeah. a few minutes ago. What what do you think now of the scene? In Ireland. Yeah. I think it's great. Like I don't know, I don't know half the bands in it. I haven't heard half of them. Like there, there's certain things I like. Um, I think there's some. Like I've bought, I, I've bought LPs of people. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have done for a long time. Like 
when they, when they started listening to music in in secondary school, like it was there was a lot of Irish bands at that time. But did they all sound? Was there an awful lot of them sound? This I don't want to say this, but I'm putting anybody down. But it's a more diversity now. At one stage, was everybody trying to be the next you too? No, that was before that. That was before. the that was the Ten Lazy and the the horse ups and the undertones and the stiff little fingers end of it. Well, there was there was a lot of different things where you'd you'd buy the Irish album. I think, but the funny thing about the U two was that a lot of those bands sounded like U two or trying yeah. to sound like U two. They weren't original, but people were still into bands like the Blades. The Blades were a big Dundalk band. Yeah, in the mid eighties, like they were yeah. massive. They were they'd been there here at all every month or so. Everyone was buying that that album, The Last Man in Europe. That was a big, massive album in town. Yeah, I think there was a sold about three or four hundred copies in it. People, there was somebody always walking around with it. The scene's good now. Yeah, the, the see the the scene is really really good. Like I'm surprised, I'm surprised at how many bands in Dock are doing really well. Like yeah, somebody like international, like yeah, and they'll be mentioned by they're getting reviews in Pitchfork and stuff like that. And I think I still think that the Mary Wallopers are the most successful band in Dock. Minute, right? I think they're they're really really successful. I well, think there's I a think, couple I, giving them a run. I would say Dave and, 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 and just must just must have just said. Dave Keenan's well. Dave Keenan has success now. He's 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 very successful with what he's doing. Really, we went to one of his uh, uh, Olympia gigs and the yeah. atmosphere. I actually went to them. Yeah, and uh, wow, they were yeah, he has it. He's he's, 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 he's a really good. This is packed. Yeah, like, he's really good at what he does. Rammed. Yeah, and it, was just, it was unbelievable. Like. Yeah. So, you have the guitar with you. I the guitar with me. I just took it up. Yeah. Do you want to bang something out before we finish up? Be something now, yeah. Hopefully, this now for anybody listening in, we are recording this in the shed with a couple of USB mics. So, if it sounds as bad, don't blame Jinx. You can, you can complain to me, I'll take full responsibility. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna blame you. <laughs> now, if I make mistakes, don't worry about it now, mate. Here we go. I am not angry with you. There is nothing the matter with you. I am just mad at myself again for falling into right again. Just sure leave me for a while so I can look back in my two eyes. Stare into my pupils of blue. Then I will come back to you. And every time I'm writing, I know some nuisance is waiting nearby. Every time I'm in the stratosphere, I know some malice is waiting back here. Give up the things that are keeping you down. Give up the ones that are messing you around. Never give up the fire inside. Show your claws, don't let them scratch out your eyes. Give up the things that are keeping you down. And the big cloak that makes you feel a clown. Never give up the fire inside. Show your claws, don't let them scratch out your eyes. Someplace there, they're falling all over you. Then they're like a sweet shop, too. Just sometimes, just up the road, you might feel just like a lost soul. You need a song to get back to shore. This will heal the ground once more. And every time you're riding high, you'll know some distance is winning nearby. Every time you're in the stratosphere, you know some madness is winning back here. Give up the things that are keeping you down. Give up the ones that are messing you around. Never give up the fire inside. Show your claws, don't let that scratch out your eyes. The things that are keeping you down. And the big cloak that makes you feel a clown. Never give up the fire inside. Show your claws, don't let that scratch out your eyes. Thanks, thanks an absolute million for coming in. It's been a delight having you in. Thanks for getting us in. Look forward to hearing uh, the new tunes and uh, hopefully seeing you out on tour again. 
Yeah. Shortly. Shortly, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. That was the brilliant Mr. Jinx Lennon. The tracks you heard in that interview were Be Proud from the album Border Schizo Folk Songs, Bubble Electrician from the album 30 Beacons of Light, and It's Better to Be Alive featuring Miss Annie June Callahan from the album Walk Lightly While the Jug is Full. The title music in this series is also a Jinx Lennon song, It's Proud to Be a Nobody from the album 30 Beacons of Light. More interviews will be uploaded as they're finished and edited. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Good luck.